Welcome to the Sports to Business Podcast. Today we have Jeff Adamson, co-founder of Skip the Dishes and co-founder of Neo Financial. Welcome back, folks, to the Tanvir Bangu Podcast. My name is Tanvir, head of technology and a former college football champion. Through each episode and special guest, we show you how you can leverage principles in sports to help you win in the business world. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Jeff Adamson, co-founder of Skip the Dishes and co-founder of Neo Financial. He co-founded SkipTheDishes.com out of a basement in Saskatoon. And as he says, with nothing but some pocket lint and a dream of building a successful Canadian startup. Skip is now one of the most recognized consumer brands in Canada, serving hundreds of thousands of people daily coast to coast. Now, co-founder and chief merchant officer at Neo Financial, where they're imagining spending savings and rewards by using technology to simplify finances, create rewarding experiences and build community for all Canadians. Jeff is also a five-time national champion wrestler. He went to University of Saskatchewan where he also wrestled during his college career and then he won bronze at the Pan Am Games and he was also a world top 10 wrestler. And guys, as you're listening and if something resonates, make sure to share this with a friend or a colleague or if you relate, please share this on Instagram stories and tag me at tender.bangu or comment on my LinkedIn or Instagram posts with your review. And remember to visit my website, tangerbango.com, for a ton of free content and lots of exercises. In this episode, we discuss gritty stories when Skip was a startup, like going to restaurant to restaurant, putting up Skip the Dishes window decals on the front windows by himself in minus 45 degrees weather. Why it's all about going for the Hail Mary versus playing it safe. What allowed Jeff to push through challenging times? How his wrestling career helped him as an entrepreneur? And two things that every leader must do to maximize success. You can follow Jeff on LinkedIn and also check out Neo Financial at neofinancial.com. All right, team, this is an episode you don't want to miss. So let's jump in with the one and only Jeff Adamson. Jeff Adamson, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Tamir. I'm so excited. Um, so quick introduction, founder of Neo Financial, previously the co-founder of one of the biggest and best and arguably the most successful startups in Canada, Skip the Dishes, and a five-time national wrestling champion and a medalist at the Pan Am Games. It doesn't get any more real than this episode right here. I feel like that's the best introduction I've ever written for you there, Tanvir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll go with that. Um, but no, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on the show. And I mean, I, I think there's so many things we can, we're going to dive into uh, on, the, on the show. What are, what are you up to nowadays? Let's just kick it off with that. Sure. You know, I'd say right now, um, maybe more on the personal side, wife and I just had our first child. So I've been... Pretty busy at home with that, and so I've I've realized, um, and maybe it's something we'll get into. But I thought that starting a company was really really difficult, and then I then I got to see firsthand what my wife has to go through in the early days wow. of like I mean, like pregnancy and then you know childbirth and then the early first like six weeks. Um, so my like perspective of what is actually difficult has totally changed in the last uh well 10 months now he's now uh, just during, during 10 months uh and then I'm, I'm chief merchant officer and co-founder of neo financial and so we're um really building what i what i believe is really the first um customer centric bank uh in the last you know couple decades the last time that Anyone really started a new bank in Canada was back uh, with ING Direct in, I think, in the 90s. Um, and so we're building a bank from the ground up with a fully digital experience uh, with rewards that are 10x better than what people can get anywhere. Um, and actually, in, in providing consumers with um, one of the highest interest rates on their savings accounts and actually putting um, money back into the hands of Canadians. Right now, I think over 54% of Canadians are living paycheck to paycheck right now. And so Yep. We want to be able to maximize the value of Canadians' money and and give them more for the money that they have, and and also help uh, by partnering up with retailers. So we're we're partnering up with thousands of retailers, um, 
giving them access to valuable data that they can use to help grow their business. And so it's early days right now. Um, we have a small team. We've, we've just ramped up um, to just around 100 people. Um, so we ramped up pretty quickly, but um, it's still still early days. And so there's a lot yeah. of that that figuring it out that we're doing right now. Yeah, I'm sure you're, uh, you've got great memories of the time that you're uh, skipped the dishes of figuring it out and just, just ramping up. So I'm sure figuring we'll dive into or, it. Or, or like PTSD is more like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember uh, Lumsden was telling me on the, old, the podcast I did with him that you guys are literally out there running around putting stickers on the windows during the time of skip the dishes. Um, that's how, like, I was built from the ground up, which is, is tremendous. Well, yeah, I mean, that's like, uh, I got like, I could bore you with like thousands of stories like that, but we, we like, we were bootstrapping, like we couldn't raise any VC capital first, um, you know, three years at the company. And so we were just basically maxing out our credit cards, you know, um, you know, refinancing my house to, to basically wow. be able to, to pay for, you know, make payroll. And then you, you basically try to figure out well, how do you acquire customers? And like, you, you obviously can't have a hundred dollar customer acquisition costs. So we got this idea of like, well, what if we can really focus on creating value for the restaurants and, you know, help bring a new channel in for them, a new channel of revenue and, and help them promote delivery uh, as an, as a kind of additional way that they can make money. And we're like, well, what if we just were to like, instead of buying a billboard, we just couldn't find, afford to do that. We're like, well, what if we put up mini billboards on every single one of our merchant partners? And I remember we started up in Saskatchewan and like the first winter that we had these stickers, we were basically going out in like minus 45 degrees Celsius, like literally minus 45. Wow. Um, it was so cold, actually. You take the stickers out of your car, they'd immediately like shrivel. Drink. Into a, and you'd like yeah. pull them apart and then like try to put them on the wall on the on a window outside <laughs> and they like and, the and the, the owners and i think maybe that's why like they stuck with us but they would look at us and just be like holy crap like the founder of this company is literally outside outside my store <laughs> with bare hands putting up uh, a sticker and it's like they're like i've only ever gotten one order ever from skip so <laughs> but like i think oh, that's you know, like most companies, I think you have to you have to do those things that don't scale in the first few you know years to until you get to the point yeah. where you actually have the luxury of doing things that scale. Where I mean, my question for you then is, where does that drive come from? Because there's a lot of people that like to start things, but I mean, refinance your house for payroll, going outside of minus forty five when you're the founder and CEO of a of a great startup, for having that kind of humility and that kind of drive, where do you, where did you find that? Was it experiences in your life or the sports just just walk through that a little bit yeah i mean i think it, it's obviously it's different for everyone and um you know i think i was i was pretty lucky like my as a kid my parents never really you know protected me from from doing difficult things and yeah. you know i think it was like always whatever you have to do you have to earn it like if you wanted to get a five dollar allowance you had to go out like i grew up in a small community south of saskatoon mm -hmm. you know maybe Altogether, maybe 100 people, and so we had a plot of land, and 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 I'm not saying like I grew up like you know poor or anything like that. Like I had my parents were I'd say middle middle class, and but if I wanted to like get a five dollars allowance, I had to go out and spend like four or five hours mowing grass, watering trees, um, you know it was like really make your own fun, you know earn whatever you earn have. It. Yeah, and I don't think I mean I, I'm not to say like I don't. I don't think that's like crazy. I feel like that's kind of like everyone I knew grew up like that. So it wasn't like I thought that I was really hard off. Um, and then of course, I think as soon as you get involved in sports, you know that you, nothing is given to you. Yeah, you know, exactly. you can't, you don't get a gold medal or a trophy just because you, you, um, you know, just wanted it. You have to put in the work. And so I think, you know, that, you know, and obviously I think sports were probably a big part of that because that was really what my focus was from a really young age. I think I started wrestling. I, think I played hockey when I was six, started wrestling, I think when I was six or seven. Um, and then of course, I think like a lot of kids, um, you need to get put into a bunch of different sports. Yep. Terrible at football. You're, you're, if I, if we ever met at football, Tim, yeah. I feel like you would have just <laughs> lit me up. Like I wouldn't have, <laughs> but Thing is, you can't let me up when I'm just riding the bench anyway. So yeah, I don't think I would have yeah, ever yeah. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> Did, did uh, you play football at all or was it always uh, hockey Again, not joking at all. Uh, I, I played football but rode the bench. Wow. I like. I remember in grade <laughs> nine, grade nine, I was so bad at football actually that 
the coach never even gave me pads. He's just like, like you're just had... redshirted. <laughs> and my coach was such a good recruiter. He was also the wrestling coach. He's like, he's like, come on, Jeff, come on and help the team. And I guess like helping the team, his definition of help, my definition of helping the team was like this vision of me, like, you know, running, like diving over the, the O-line into the, into the end zone, yeah. getting a touchdown. His definition was like, Jeff, you just sit there and keep that bench toasty warm. <laughs> keep it. <laughs> I guess some water. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I was so bad at it. And then I, the next year I quit and I was like, I'm not playing football. No. And then somehow he was able to recruit me to come back and play in grade 11. No, grade 11, well, I played football. football. Again, I came back. I would just, and except for again, I just wrote the bench again. Right. Except for this time I got pads. Yeah, that right. time I. Right. Be dressed up. <laughs> But uh, yeah, back to your question. I think it was just, you know, sports really ingrains that that into you. If you like, you know that you have to earn it. You have to work for it. And, and I think the nice thing is that like, you typically get out what you put in. Yep. And you can you can kind of see your progress. And and I think once I had kind of gone through university, it, again, it was not like I was a brilliant student or anything. But I'd always kind of known that I had to save up, I had to like make sure that I was frugal so that I could put myself in a position that I could take some risks. And I think, you know, a lot of students, you know, they, they come out of university with a lot of debt mm-hmm. um, and some people have no choice and that's, that's really tough. Um, but a lot of people do have a choice and they kind of end up not really being smart with their money throughout college. And then as a result, they end up being in debt and then you can't take these risks because, you know, knowing that you've got, Thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars of student loans hanging you over you. Yeah. You, you got to get right into the workforce, and then it's like, well, I can't take a risk on starting my own company because if it doesn't go right, then now I'm even further in debt and further behind. Um, so I made sure, to, like, to be extraordinarily frugal. My friends all made fun of me. I was known as the cheap guy, and when I got out of university, I was able to be in a position. You know, I couldn't afford a home. Um, South Korea had gone through a, a housing boom. Housing prices had tripled while I was in university. Yep. Um, but I could afford to buy a piece of land. And so my brother and I actually bought a piece of land in a new development and built our own house with my father. We actually, like, with evenings, weekends. You actually um, built your out, house. Built yeah. it, yeah. Literally from scratch. I mean, I didn't do everything wow. because, like, like, some things you don't want me to touch. Like, I didn't do the electrical, <laughs> for example. Um, I wouldn't be here if I did. But uh, literally, I'd be dead. But yeah, you you do what you can do, and then you find out, okay, like, well, what can I afford to pay someone to do? And yeah. and uh, and again, we lived in there for a little bit, and then we we sold it, and then again, then you're like, okay, now we have a little bit of of capital to play around with, and okay, maybe now I can do. So if I hadn't have done that, if I hadn't if I hadn't yeah. have saved, if I hadn't saved enough to buy the lot, and if I hadn't have bought the lot, then it wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, and then I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had that that you know, small nest egg that I could then use to say, well, now I can start a company and not pay myself for almost three years because I've saved up enough and I don't, I can live on the floor. I don't, I can live on, like I slept in my car. It was not a big deal for me because I didn't really need to live in a nice place. I just wanted to literally, if I had shelter, that was probably good enough. And then that's, that's kind of why I think in the beginning, the early days, I was able to kind of take those risks and, and put in, put in some of that work. I didn't know that. And that's, that's such a powerful story. I think um, like a lot of, a lot of people just see, even like when you look outside and you're like, okay, skip the dishes grew crazy, you know, late 2016, 27, 2018. It's like, but the years before that end and how it started, it's so powerful. Um, so it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And it's like, I was looking back actually, cause so skip released the Q3 earnings a couple of weeks ago and you know, they're, they're going to do over 3 billion in sales. They're going to do, probably close to 300,000 orders a day, probably. Um, uh, and I think those are actually conservative numbers and they're maybe sandbagging or something, but it's, um, I was looking back at emails and there was an email from, from my, one of my co-founders and CEO, uh, Josh Samer, and it was an email saying, um, we did, he was like, hey, great week this week. We did $3,800 worth of business on 71 orders across the whole company. Across the whole company. <laughs> wow and then so i was like i had these like you can't even compare yeah and it's like oh man but it, it's not necessarily so like the the early days i think people often romanticize about the early days and stuff but it's not like it's any easier now 
you know, because there's some, I can't remember who, who said it, but they're like, this is a Tour de France champion. And they were asking him about like, how hard is it, you know, doing these impossible legs of the Tour de France where you're climbing up, you know, 50,000 feet and in, in like over 300K in a day. And he's like, it's no, it's no harder than it was the first time I ever rode a bike. The only difference is I just go faster now. And so it's like the difficulty doesn't change. It's the change. Just the scale changes. Yeah. You still got to put in the work, right? Day in, day out. Yeah. Well, you know all about, I mean, you worked at, yeah. at uh, RBI. And, and so yeah. like you've obviously probably, that wasn't, it wasn't a very small company to work at. What was it like for you? Like going from maybe working at a smaller company than going and working at RBI and just seeing like, like yeah. how many liters of coffee are poured a second at Tim Hortons? <laughs> it's crazy. There's something like, I don't know how many million cups a day. Millions um, of cups a day? Yeah, something like that. I remember the, I forget the number now, but. Uh, Is it like a Niagara yeah. Falls? Like basically like, like, like the like equivalent? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the, uh, the culture though, right? It's like, no matter how, how great we do, and it kind of goes back to like, this is why I love having, you know, folks like you on the podcast. It kind of goes back to like training camp and football, where no matter how well you did before, the next year you're starting from scratch and somebody else is going to come in and compete for your position, even if you had a killer year the year before, right? So I think like in my time or in startups, it's the same thing. At RBI was like, great, we have the great results, but let's go back to zero, zero work your ass off again and we got to be these results right so i think having that ingrained my drive came from from sports kind of how yours came from the early early life as well right so yeah it's uh it's very similar yeah it's i think you know unfortunately i think we've and again like i, I want to put a heavy disclaimer on everything that i'm saying that like i'm not saying that like anyone should go out and do what i've done and i i would i'll be the first to say that like what I've done could have been done better by someone else too, you know, and I, it's I, like, we made so many mistakes along the way, probably like classic mistakes that you're just like, you know, it's a total, and of course, like we couldn't have done what we did without all the incredible people that we met along the way. And you, you're one of them that we met. I remember when we met at, um, at Tim Hortons yep. and uh, I was, I think I was wandering around like a tourist just being like, Oh my God, I could like, taking photos and like, I'm going to send this <laughs> to my mom. <laughs> I remember <laughs> we're like, hey Jeff, uh, yeah, let's let's show you around. <laughs> so actually, so you probably don't know this, but so we were like, we threw so many hail marys to sign up Tim Hortons. Um, I literally like, I'm surprised that the police didn't call me for stalking Sami Siddiqui, um, who I think at the time was the pre- he was the president of Tim Hortons. But basically, I had like I had emailed him, LinkedIn him, carrier pigeons were coming over to drop off messages from me. Um, I even had a, cl- a classmate from Harvard I hunted down who was like a friend of one of our investors. I got him to like go through the Harvard connection, connections, yeah. email him. Um, that didn't work. Then basically I like pulled together enough money. We bought a, um, we, oh, sorry. Before that, we actually sent, we started sending deliveries to his office. So we started sending him like pastries from local bakeries. Like from like couriers to to the office addressed to him that didn't work. Then we actually bought a billboard. We tried to figure out where his office was, and then we pulled pulled together enough money uh, between a few of us and bought a billboard that we figured could be seen from his office, so that he would kind of be like, oh wow, like this skip the dishes is blowing up. Wow, that's remarkable. That's remarkable. But like, I mean, what, I mean, why not though? I mean, if you yeah. think about it, if you're, if you think about when you're playing football and, you know, if it's halftime and, and you're, you're down 30 points, I mean, are you just going to like, going to just give up? No. Yeah. You're going to look at every single different play. Like you're, I mean, you're like, even when it's 30 points and you only got one minute left, like you're still throwing the ball. Like, yeah. I think I'm, I'm assuming you would. I, I know nothing about Absolutely. football. I was terrible at it, but yeah. How do you, I mean, how do you know? So that's a great point, right? Like, how do you know how hard to try after something? And when do you know to call it quits? I'm a terrible guy to ask about that because I'm, a, I'm terrible at, I'm terrible at quitting. <laughs> um, but I, I always do read that stuff where you, they're like, you know, you have to quit your way to, to success. I think there's a lot of people who I've seen that where they're like, tried this, 
didn't work, didn't work, didn't work. And then finally they found their thing that worked. And I think to me, like maybe when other people can convince you that you should quit, then, then it's probably a good time. Got it. You know, and, and I think that, you know, I think when I think back to my career at in wrestling, like I, I think I retired before people were like, hey man, you should probably think about hanging up the boots. You know, I, and I don't think, I wasn't at that point yet, but I kind of had other things I wanted to do. And then, but you do see people who are, you're like, man, you're like 35 years old, 40 years old, still in the sport. Like you haven't had a performance as, you were better 10 years ago than you were now. Like, but if you still have that fire in you and you still love it, then you're kind of just doing it because you love it. Maybe you're not doing it because you're going to make the Olympics anymore. You're just doing it because you love it. And so I think with your, with a business or anything like, if people are kind of starting to say like, Hey man, like you're living in a shack, you're homeless, you know, things are really working out. Maybe you should think about going back and getting a day job. I think that's the point where they're like, okay, they're either going to convince you that it's hopeless for you to continue or you can, you know, convince them and yourself that you, you actually like you're going to make it or that you yeah. just love it enough that you don't care. You're like, actually I'm okay living like this. Yeah. I'm doing something that I love to do. But it's so individual. So I, I, I think exactly. for every person, it's, it's different. But I think that's kind of how I see it, at least. It all, or it's like almost like when somebody tells you it's time to quit. It almost lights a fire under you. In some cases, at least for me, it's like, hey, I, I, every time somebody's like, yeah, you know what? Either, either I get rejected or somebody's like, you're not going to make it. It's almost like, well, now I have to try. Oh, right? It is just that, another. That's the motivation. It's just another big old log on the fire, you know? Yeah. It, it is yeah. actually you know, it is actually motivational in some way. I remember we were like, I think it was the first year or two at Skip. We, you know, we were still kind of a track chase, chase after shiny things. You see something and you're like, oh, we yep. should go do that. Or we should go do that. And instead of just kind of like sticking to your core. Um, and one of those shiny things was this, this business contest at, at the University of Saskatchewan. And it was like the top prize was, I think, 50 grand. And you basically have a pitch contest. I'm sure you've heard of seen these. They're yep. popular. And we had made it to the finals. And we'd like, you know, there, our, our teams were kind of spread out across Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. And we'd all came to Saskatoon for this final pitch contest. And it was, you know, us against um, some, a company claiming they could turn kind of crude oil into water. And then there was another one that was, it was literally a hammock for a horse like for performing surgery on the horse it was like a two hundred thousand dollar hammock and i was like okay we've got this in the bag my whole family was there and everything um we spent all day prepping for it and 50 grand is a lot of money like we needed yep. that money big time and we get up there crush the presentation the other teams totally flopped and i'm like okay this is in the bag i'm like basically on like amazon pre-ordering stuff because i feel like i'm rich now <laughs> and uh Sure enough, we ended up losing. We got second place in a business contest at the U of, U of S. And, and literally, my, my, uh, one of the co-founders, Josh, taps on the shoulder, shows me a press release. DoorDash raises $17 million from Sequoia Capital. The prize we got? A $5,000 gift certificate to Deloitte. <laughs> and so, that must then, have staying. But then yeah. I remember just, I can't remember if I said it or he said it, he just said, just gotta prove them wrong. You just gotta prove them wrong. Look, you. I mean, look at look what happened after that. And, and and it's like, and I think that's a great another point because when somebody else judges you, if you guys had said, you know what, we came second and actually believed that result and gave up, then this wouldn't be here, right? Yeah, I think I think when you start believing that, then I think you're kind of you're probably in the wrong career or something yeah you, you you yeah you have already lost yeah. i think it's yeah. your point about when do you call it quits i think that's it's like when other people are starting to convince you that it's time to quit then you should definitely quit because if you don't believe this is no way that you're going to be able to do it exactly <laughs> it's probably nothing worse than getting up and working towards something that you don't believe in that sounds like in. yeah torture to me yeah exactly u of s that's where you went to university right yep so, so you played, you had wrestling there for, for four years. So walk me through that career path. Yeah, so I went to university 
like my parents, like my dad never went to college. He was a firefighter. My mom did kind of worked a part-time job at a university, um, at the hospital. Um, but it wasn't like she took a kind of a lower paying path. Um, and so for me, like I felt a lot of pressure to go to university. It was kind of like, that's just what you do. Like you're going to go to school, you're going to get a degree and then yep. you're going to work that job for 50 years and yeah. you're going to retire and you're going to die. That's, <laughs> that's it. And I think like a lot of people, like I don't, I didn't really have any clue what I was going to do. So I just went into kind of open general studies because the only reason I was going to college was really because my parents told me I should. And then, cause I wanted to you're compete. Wrestling. I wanted to, I wanted to wrestle. Yeah. And so I went to the university and there was, it's a pretty steep jump. I don't know if it's the same in football or not, but going from like high school to college in wrestling is a big jump because in, in high school, you're, you're wrestling, competing against seniors, right? Or it's by weight. Yeah. I mean, you can compete against a guy 30 years old and there's a big difference between an 18 year old and a 30 year old. Yeah. And an 18 year old does not have the advantage. <laughs> 30 year old, <laughs> old, old man strength. Um, so I remember just like getting my butt whooped hard in the first six months, maybe a little bit less than that. And because you have all these these guys that have been in university competing for three, four years, yeah. you know, and then we had like our, our senior team. So they may even be out of university, but they're still around the room training, maybe to make the Olympics or Pan Am Games teams. Yeah. And so you're just coming in as this, you know, I couldn't even grow facial hair at the time. And it was like, like, you know, I think there's a lot of sports where if you, you can lose at it, like a race, for example, you like the guy finished the race before I did. And, you know, that sucks, but you don't feel like physically beaten down mentally, emotionally, the same way that you do in a combative sport, you know, combat sport, it's a different feeling. Like you're, you're like getting, yeah, yeah, you're getting beaten, <laughs> you're getting beaten down and there's a, and it's also like, and I played hockey and football too. And, and it's different cause you're in the team and so you can get lit up hard. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of sucks cause it hurts, but it's different than having someone across from you who is just trying to beat you down. Yeah. And that, that's something that I think a lot of people don't really understand about, about combat, combat sports. So the, I mean, the good thing though, is that you don't want to stay in that situation for very long because losing all the time is pretty painful physically and mentally, emotionally. And so the, the, the urge and that drive to get better was super, super strong. And so I was able to kind of catch up pretty quick to the rest of the group. How do you do that? What did you do specifically during those six months? I was obsessed, absolutely obsessed with catching up to the rest of the crew that was beating me up because and I don't, it wasn't like an ego thing necessarily. It was just, I just wanted to get better badly. And if I wasn't on the mat, I was watching tape. If I wasn't watching tape, I was in the weight room. If I wasn't in the weight room, I was in class and literally I would be thinking, I would be so bored in class and I would be falling asleep, but to keep myself awake, I would think of what happened at practice the day before. Mm-hmm. And I would replay in my mind all the, all the situations, the positions where I got outmaneuvered, where a guy overpowered me. Why did I lose that match? Why didn't that technique work? And I could literally feel my heart rate increase while I was, while I was sitting in class, sitting in, my, in class, going through it in my mind. And that would keep me awake in school. And it was so like, even if I was only going to practice, you know, you do a two and a half hour, three hour practice, um, you know, you know two, two hours in the weight room in the morning, yep. maybe. Um, but then I was probably spending five or six hours a day re going, th- going through everything that happened. And, and so I think, yeah, so it was like, you know, maybe everyone was putting in two, three hours a day and I was putting in probably 10, 10 to 12, um, wow. but, you know, ment- mentally. And yep. I think that helped. And then, and I just, I just gave a damn too. I think you know, caring a lot, I think can really get you pretty far too. It's surprising how half the people like, we all, I mean, your teammates, there's teammates across or teams that I faced, you can tell the people that are here and the people that don't. Like, sometimes I'd be surprised after you lose a game, how some guys could just laugh and be okay with it and just go on with their life. I'm like, how can you do that? Like, I don't, like, it, I, for me, I was like, holy shit, we lost a game. 
let's let's go see what the hell happened what went wrong right yeah um it's it's crazy how the divide you see well the same thing in companies too i think that's yeah you know when you look at and maybe we'll get into this but it's like for me you know so i I did my my four four years in university and got my degree and then and then i went into i I, so i I ended up transitioning over to sciences i got a, a degree in um, biotechnology. So I, I, wow. I kind of focused on, I really kind of was really excited about this whole kind of biotech genetic engineering of plants and like, how do, how do we, how do you grow more food for the world in harsh climates or new varieties that can yield, you know, twice as much, um, and help solve some of the, these big problems that we have mm-hmm. kind of globally. Um, fortunately, what I didn't really understand was that like, in order to to basically produce those and get, you know, get the results that you want to do the genetic modification, all that stuff, it's a ton of lab work. And what I didn't realize is I did not have the patience, the skill, all of it to be good in the lab. And so I ended up being, I did field research, sucked at it, was super miserable. Uh, I was a terrible, terrible employee. Like, and I, and I was a classic, oh, this company is terrible. It's a great company. Yeah. I was terrible. I was just too much of a little, you know, you yeah, know, a little impatient. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was, but I was, I was a bitch about it, you know, and, yeah. and uh, I was too young and inexperienced in my career to realize that it wasn't the company's fault. I was just, I was the problem. I was the, I was, the, it was a bad fit for me. Wow. And then uh, I eventually went and moved into from, from field research to lab research. Again, still wasn't good at it. And fortunately um, that company ended up going out of business and, I ended up getting into kind of sales and marketing and that's when I realized like, Oh my, okay, this is, this is, this is something like. that, I, yeah. yeah, I was like, okay, this yeah. is like, I, you're going to, I was shocked that I would get paid to do it. That's how much I loved it. That's amazing. Wow. That's, that, that's where your whole entrepreneurship started, right? From, from that, that was, point onward. I think that was in 2000 and 2009, 2010. Um, and I think that, yeah, that, that was the first time I'd really kind of realized that like the whole, like getting into like the whole world of, of business and understanding that like there was this, there was a way that you could apply all the things that you'd learned in sport to the world of business. I actually had no idea that that was possible because doing research, I, I, I don't know, I, I could not figure out how to apply what, you know, my abilities in the lab um, in, re- in during, just doing research i just couldn't do it i wasn't able to so once i got into the business world then i realized that this is where you can apply a lot of the skills that you've learned because it's you know it's competitive you know it's about teamwork um yep. it's about having like these strong characteristics that um like you can put in more and get more out i was able to figure that out and, and i also was just shocked that the bar was so much different between kind of the world of sports and, and, and the, like you go from this environment where every single person is super fired up and dialed in to be the best that they can possibly be in the sport. Yeah. And then you go into the workforce and people are like, okay, five o'clock, let's go home. I'm done. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like, Oh, we lost that deal. Like to your point earlier about like you lose a game, same thing in the workforce, like people are like, oh, we didn't get that deal or, um, oh, that can wait till tomorrow or, yeah. you know, oh, the company's not really doing that well. It's like, that was a shock to me. I was blown away because I could not imagine being like living or I couldn't imagine doing something for more than 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week that you didn't care a ton about. <laughs> so yeah it's it's like my the first time i had the realization was when i was my my first job there was earnings call and in the morning and i'm i dialed into the earnings call right 8 a.m and i'm sitting there and i'm like all fired up ready with my notepad and and i look around and like people are just walking around nobody else is on this call like guys this is this is the results right people like what call are you even on half of them didn't even know we had an earnings call that morning so that was my first realization of, of yeah. to your point, the differences in the bar between sports and how I think some people just don't care. 
but I think that, I mean, and obviously like you and I both were huge into sports and, and I think, I think actually football is a great sport because yours is way more team focused actually. And like, I, have you noticed that from your side, like that yeah. having worked within a team and then yeah. you could just translate that into a business. Has that been something that you've, you've been able to do? Yeah, like I think one of the biggest things that I, I get feedback on from my, my teams is like the, the aspect of the teamwork, is like how working with different per, difficult personalities. And I mean, and I didn't realize this until I think a few years ago, it's like, like, you're really good at dealing with people that would rub you the wrong way, or you have a, a thick skin, or you're able to go and convince people that, you know, I just can't get a hold of, or I, 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 they're emailing back and forth. And when I started looking back, I'm like, I didn't take any courses on this. The course was the five years in university dealing with 80 people on one team for 40 hours a week for five years, right? So it was like, it wasn't that exact same principle. It's like, okay, you don't like someone? Well, doesn't matter. You got to win the game. You got to win it together, yeah. right? So, so yeah. stop being your kid about it. Yeah. Do you find that it's kind of like an attitude of, well, what do you care more about? Do you care more about, does this person like me or do I like them? Or do I care more about us being a winning, winning team? And that exactly comes back to the point you made earlier. It's like you then applied all these principles you learned in wrestling into business because you cared about the bigger goal versus the ego or I like you or I don't like you, right? That's exactly it. But, but I think we, all, we also need to be careful though that, you know, because we're talking about sports, we both played sports that we're not having this attitude that like, yep. oh, like somehow athletes are better than other people. And that's because I've met artists, musicians, people, and those guys and girls are super passionate and dialed in and high performance. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I don't have an artistic or creative bone in my body, but uh, you know, those people who dedicate themselves to, to that craft, I think it's, so it really comes down to just any craft. And any craft, right? And in the full disclosure, like I think there's a lot of people that that when you when played football or even in the pros that I know who are just dicks, and and you put them, and it's like they did it because they're forced to do it. The moment their career has ended, they just went into some sort of a, a I don't know what you want to call it, but like they stop caring, don't you know, don't maintain themselves, yeah. don't care about people, don't care about anything in the world, are not good people. And I've seen a ton of those people that were athletes as well. So I think it's, 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 I think it's about being passionate about what you do that some athletes have. Again, yeah, full disclosure. I just want to make sure that's clear, as you said. Yeah. No, totally. And I think that's, and even from us, I think there's a, there's a bit of an echo chamber we can create, you know, and like, so we've got Jesse Lums in our team. We've got yep. Barrett Martineau, who is uh, 2018. So obviously like Lumsden is like a legend in bobsled, went to three Olympics. Yep. He also, you know, played football in the CFL. Um, and then Barrett Martineau, he was, um, he was skeleton in 2018 Olympics in Korea. There's another uh, guy with us named Adam. He went to the 2016 games in um, field hockey. But we don't, want to, we don't want to create a culture where it's like, oh, we all think the same. And it's a bunch of yeah. guys or girls banging their chests. And you're like, because you need to have that diversity of thinking Absolutely. in order for us, for someone to be like, hey, Jeff, maybe just like, maybe bulldozing this wall isn't the right, maybe we should like build a rope or maybe we should go around it or tunnel under it. And, yep. um, and so I think it's just kind of finding people who just really care about being the best at whatever it is that they love and put in yeah. the work. It's, and finding people, I always say find, like I always hire people with passion and fit and put, um, the, the thing where you have a lot more future looking, outcomes versus what you've done in the past right so it's like yeah you can find somebody with a ton of experience but find somebody that fits the culture that fits the drive and has that hunger and humbleness and is hard working the three h's um so i think yeah, you can find that anywhere really somebody could have been an athlete or you could have been in some sort of an experience in life where you got that from right so um have you found have you found another like outside of sports that's like an obvious one that we know, but like, have you found another, you know, category of people where it's like, man, like it seems like every single musician that I've hired has been so good. Like I've had such good luck with them. 
or singers or, or artists or have you found any other group that you've really clicked with? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I found a group. Um, I, I think what, what I've seen work really well are people that kind of did not have something handed to them on a golden plate, but were working, were super diligent or working their asses off in roles where you know that they're a lot more talented than, than what they're doing. So I think having the ability as a leader to find those people and give them the responsibility and take a chance on them is something that I've seen work really well for people that, that I've seen others, as well as some yeah. things that I've done. So I would say that that's something that I've seen and maybe there's others, but in my experience, that's um, there's definitely something that's like, you know, somebody wants to win, like I'll train you, but you got, you bring the drive and I can bring the drive for you. If you have the drive, let's go. Right. Yeah. I remember my mentor, I was like, Hey, what's your key to motivating people? And he said, I don't hire unmotivated people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's a cheat of an answer. That's <laughs> true. The, um, you, I mean, you, you mentioned something about, so, that, so you applied your skills from wrestling into the business, right? And then you said that you found that you, you put putting more in, getting more out of business. Could you dive a little bit more in there? Because as you said, there, the bar is a lot lower. So for all the entrepreneurs out there, all the, all the folks who are trying to build a career, what is it that they should be inputting and getting out more? Because to your point, if you do the, the process, the drills, you're going you're gonna to win. So what is that? Yeah, so I think it, it's, it's obviously like a heavy disclaimer that like I can only kind of think or speak from my own experience. And, and God knows it could be different because I always, you always hear about, oh, like Google does this and like Steve Jobs yep. is like that. And it's like, yeah, well, that worked for that context and, and what they were going through and what they needed yep. to do at the time. Um, nowadays, a lot of people, they start companies and they're able to raise tons of money out of the gate. Um, and for us, like we had to bootstrap for years. And so we had to do a lot of things that are kind of probably pretty dumb because it's like, well, there's probably a better way to do it. It just would cost a little bit more. Um, so, so for me, like the, the couple things that I, the, the, my skills is a very broad term to apply skills from sports to, to business. But it was like, for me, what I wanted was to be able to replicate the conditions that I had as an athlete in, in the business world as much as possible. And what, it, what I find when I talk to a lot of people who have gone through from high performance athletes to the real world, we call it like starting your real life is they go from like, oh, what do they call it? Like the, like they go from like the pinnacle to the outhouse, basically yeah. the Olympics, the Olympics to the outhouse. And it's like, you go from like, usually most people go out on a, on a high, like the, yeah. the best that they have been. And then they just basically go down to the, to the dumps and they're just like, now you go and work a job and you're kind of a nobody really. I mean, people will be like, Oh wow. Like, look at that guy over there. He was the Vandy cup he champion. Here, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know? And, um, and that's like emotionally really, really tough, I think. Oh. And, 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 and so, but it's not just that they go into being like a nobody, but it's also, you go into this world where everyone cares a whole bunch about winning. Everyone's aligned everyone's trying to be their best to a workplace where that isn't what the case is. People don't really care as much. Unfortunately, at most companies, they, they kind of clock in and clock out and they, they, they're kind of working for the weekend. I mean, the whole TGIF thing is kind of, uh, you know, a statement it's towards like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, what's the hell is the point of putting 40 hours a week minimum towards something that if you, if you're actually yeah. looking forward to not having to do it, um, so I, what I, for me, I was trying to think, okay, how do I, how do I find an industry, you know, uh, an area of business that where I enjoy the process of mastery, right? Like where I'm going to enjoy the process of getting better at it. I'm not necessarily going to be very good at it right now, but I know that I'm going to enjoy getting better and that eventually I will love it because if I continue to enjoy getting better at it, eventually I can be the best at it. And being the best at something is really fun. I, I, winning is really, really fun. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's kind of what I was looking at. And I was lucky because I was stuck in the wrong career. Like a lot of people, the company I was working for 
ran out of funding and they, I was laid off and I, and I fell into a career in sales and marketing and working around people and working with people. I got a lot of satisfaction and enjoyed the process of getting better at that and still learning and trying to get better at it. Um, and then number two is like try to find people who you enjoy being around and who are aligned with you at, at, around a common goal. And I think there's a lot of people who are working in jobs where they don't know if they're winning or losing. They don't, yeah. they got work, they have people working against them actively in a company where it's like, how miserable are you going to be not even knowing if the person next to you has your back. And so like find a, a team of people who you know, like that you can, you can go to war with, you can be in the trenches elbow to elbow with and you know, there's something that occurs between people that go through incredible challenges together. I don't know what it is, if it's like some sort of energy or something. It's something, right? Yeah, and yeah. like you know it because you went through it with your football team. Um, I know it because of wrestling and, and then also through Skip. But like we went yeah. through hell. We went through absolute hell. Like I'm talking, like imagine you've got three, four, thirty thousand orders out on the roads and the website crashes. And then not even a single one of those couriers knows where to deliver the order. You have to call them all and manually wow. tell them where to deliver the order. <laughs> no. And then, then all of your engineers at home, hey guys, like, I don't care if it's Christmas, I don't care if you're with your family, I don't care if you're on a first date, you're opening up your laptop and you gotta figure, fix it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and then it sounds miserable, but at the same time, all of a sudden you look, you know, those are the moments that people remember. Like yeah. when you're, when you're reminiscing, like those are the, everyone who went through this with us, they think back about this time and they're like, Oh man, I can't believe we pulled that off. You know? Um, whereas now like a lot of companies are like, no, 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 like we got to respect their boundaries. We got to like protect them from, from the company. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's the case. So like, cause I, and so those aren't really skills, Tanvir, I'm avoiding your question, but I think what I'm, what I'm trying to say this is like, perfect. it could be any skill. Like quite frankly, like I think as long as the, for me, it's the environment, mm -hmm. now the, the culture that you have and the skills. I mean, obviously, like, I, I'm pretty sure, like, resourcefulness is super important. Determination, um, teamwork, yep. you know, problem solving. These are all skills that you're going to need, I think, to really succeed at anything you do, period. But it's like, for me, it was more about that finding something that I actually cared about getting better at and then finding people that I wanted to do it with and then having that that common goal to work Amazing. towards that. And that's easier said than done. I think it's, it's pretty rare that I find a company where everyone is unified towards where a one goal and everyone's got each other's backs. When you see it though, it's magical. It is. I mean, you live for the moment, right? I think uh, you've, you've been through that. So it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and we're going through it again right now. I mean, yep. and Neo, we've got, like we're going up against probably the most defensible businesses in Canada and the most entrenched, the most protected by both, you know, defensive moats and the government um, in an industry that's typically kind of shunned technology uh, with the kind of belief that people in Canada deserve better. You know, I don't think that Canadians should live in a state of debt hopelessness. I think there's a lot of Canadians that are, excluded from the financial system that, that need help. And I think there's a lot of businesses in Canada that are being left out of this information revolution that's going on. You know, like owning a corner, you know, coffee shop or, you know, a mom and pop shop on the corner, you know, nowadays someone's going to come in with data, with technology, with frictionless experiences, and they're just, they're, they're going to blow them out of the water. So we, someone's got to figure out, how do we elevate that the entire, you know, Canadian retail system up to where yeah. it needs to be from a tech perspective. And, and at the same time on the customer side, provide the Canadian Canadians with a way of, of yep. stretching their dollar and getting more for their money. And obviously like it's, it's, it is a grind every day. Like we are in the trenches right now. Well, I'm, uh, I'm happy you took an hour out for the podcast. I'm very, uh, you know, privileged to have you on the show. Part of your, uh, your busy time. No, and, and, and Tanvir, I'm glad that you're doing this. And, and you know what, I appreciate you and what you're doing. And, and I think that 
you know, you know, I think a lot of people we all consume content, but I think it's it's we have to you know give back and, and yep. share these stories because you know if one person listens to what you're doing and other people that you bring on your show and and they say hey you know what maybe I'm gonna take a bit of a risk and start something and who yep. knows what that could turn into and, and again for anyone listening too like I'm not at all gonna prescribe that people go and do exactly what I'm doing but there maybe there's one like something in there um, whatever it may be and 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 maybe that could lead to something. So uh, I'm just glad that you're doing it, man. Well, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Last message, quick two or three points. Somebody looking to build an amazing career, start an entrepreneurship, whatever it is, what's one piece of advice you'd like to give before we end the show? Well, one piece of advice, I think it would be like find a team. You know, I, I feel like a lot of people, they they really think it's about going it alone. And I've been really lucky uh, and super grateful that I would I was able to to have a team of people um, that I was I was able to learn a ton from, you know. And that's Josh, Chris, Dan, Samara, Andrew Chow. Um, these are the the, the co-founders of Skip. You know, I'm super grateful that I'm I'm building Neo with Chris and and Andrew um, who are joining us in, in building Neo. And so that you know I could never I, I've certainly it would be impossible to imagine skip without those guys. And, and of course all the early employees that, you know, that believed in our mission. And so that, that to me is like, if you've got a great team of people, like, you know, you'll find an idea, like you'll, you will find an idea and between the, the, you know, a few of you, you'll be able to kind of strengthen that idea and get rid of the, the bad ones and, and finally come up with something that you're like, all three, four, two of you, whatever it is that you're like, this is worth us putting everything else we could be doing in our lives on hold in order to pursue. And once you've got to that point, then it, then your odds of it, of, of it succeeding are much, much higher than if you're just like, hey, I want to like, I want to build this thing and I'm going to do it on my own. And, you know, I think that that's tough. I don't think I'd even enjoy doing that, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Build a good team. Find the process. Bring the drive. Yeah, you're probably way better at the process stuff than I am. <laughs> engineering background. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Um, for everybody listening, yeah, you can follow Jeff, um, LinkedIn, Twitter, and uh, check out Neo Financial. What's the website, Jeff? Yeah, so uh, neofinancial.com. I think, yeah, best thing to check it out. We've got a, for Eastern Canada, we, we had a lot of demands. So we actually created a, a wait list. So, we have a 1.7% interest rate on, on savings account that people are like like flooding in to get. Western Canada, we're live across uh, BC, Alberta, Manitoba, Saskatchewan's coming really, really soon. Um, and so they, they can actually get NEO right away. They can start getting rewards. They can open up a bank account. Beautiful. Um, yeah, uh, but hey, appreciate you, Tanvir. Really uh, enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thanks team for listening. Really hope you found this podcast valuable and can leverage some of the content in your day to day. Please remember to leave a review, subscribe on YouTube and sign up for a ton of free content, exercises, coaching and frameworks at tanvirbengu.com.